Thank you for joining us today. We believe the word of God is designed to make a mark in our lives that's not easily erased. This new series on relationships that God has us diving into about them not being easily broken, I believe is going to be the answer to so many prayers and so many things people are believing for to cause their relationships to be stable and be stronger than they ever were before. So I pray this word makes a mark in your life. Enjoy. Well, let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you, Lord God, for the power of your word to come to pass in our lives. Father, we look for the manifestation of all of the things that you have said, all the things that you have promised. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're directing our lives, that you're speaking to us, talking to us, instructing us, encouraging us, helping us, counseling us, so that we may see all that God has said and that God has promised. And we stand on that, Father. And we know that you do these things because you love us, because we are your children, because we're a part of the family of God. And you are our God and we are your people. Thank you so, so very much, Father, for the manifestation of your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes of understanding so that we may hear and do. And we give you all the praise and the honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Why don't you hug a couple of people and you can take your seats. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, we're still in our series uh, about our relationships not being easily broken, and we have covered uh, quite a bit. We've uh, talked on Wednesday nights exclusively to uh, the married uh, couples. Um, however, everybody who came to hear, God never leaves anyone out because he says when two are together, when two or three come together, that he'll be in the midst, and I just can't believe God would be in the midst of us and neglect someone. So he has not and he did not, but uh, and we've talked about the relationship that we must have with God and how we don't allow that relationship uh, to be easily broken or we don't become distracted because that's the thing that's the foundation for all the other relationships that we have. So this morning, I'm actually going to talk about the relationship of the church the body of Christ to one another. And uh, I became very excited about it, uh, just looking at the scriptures and then even more excited once I got to church because I'm like, God, I'm so excited about what you wanna share. Holy Spirit, I don't know what you'll share with each individual, but I know that everyone who is here, your plan is that they, become, that they be ministered to and that they be transformed. So just have a great expectation that God is going to meet you wherever you are to make sure that you make spiritual progress, amen? amen. So we're gonna start uh, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. And we're gonna start at verse one, Ephesians chapter four and verse one. And let us look at this in the Amplified initially, in the Amplified. Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse one. In the Amplified, it says, I therefore, this is Paul speaking, I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk, to lead a life worthy of divine calling to which you have been called, with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service, living as becomes you, with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, and making allowances because you love one another. He says, be eager and strive earnestly to guard and to keep the harmony and the oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as there is also one hope that belongs to the calling you received. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all, sovereign over all, pervading all and living in us all. Amen. He's talking about the fact that we're not separating and we're not dividing and that we walk 
this walk according to how we've been called. Let's look at this in the uh, Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, I especially like how it starts off. He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, and that's what Paul considered himself, but he didn't consider it a prison like I'm being made to be here or I'm captured, but he says, I'm a bond slave. He said, because I chose to be that. And he says, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable, listen to this, to your high rank. He said, act like your high rank. You're not a, a low being. He says, but as a believer, he says, you have a high ranking. So he says, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, give to you in your, given to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially toward those who may truly, who may try your patience. He said, especially, he's talking to the body of Christ. He says, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body, one spirit, as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, one father, and he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. Isn't that great? He said, he said, this relationship that we have, he said, we're all one because we share a commonality with each other. We all have one father. We've been called by one God. We've been baptized as one. He said, we are one. Look at someone say, we are one. You know, we again, we've been talking about relationships and talking about marriage. And I've really been pushing our, our married couples to see themselves as one. You're not divided. You're one. And I especially love what the message Bible says. He says, once we've got married, that is not the time to declare your independence. <laughs> Glory to God. But learning the value that God sees in oneness, not being separate, but as one. Let's look at Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. We're going to start at verse 17 and we're going to uh, look at the uh, easy reading version of, the, of this particular passage of scripture. He says, and Paul is having to address this because at one time, the Jewish people and the Gentiles didn't get along at all. They actually, there was a lot of strife and a lot of hate. And you know, we're God's covenant people. You people are heathens. You're less than less. I mean, so that's the way it was. So Paul begins to talk to the Ephesian church about that's no longer the case. But let's start here in verse 16. He says, through the cross, Christ ended the hate between the two groups. And after they became one body, he wanted to bring them both back to God. He did this with his death on the cross. Christ came and brought the message of peace to you non-Jews who were far away from God. And he brought that message of peace to those who were near to God. So he said he brought those who were Gentiles and Jews. He said, I brought everybody together in God. He says, yes. Through Christ, we all have the right to come to the Father in one spirit. Look at somebody and say, I have a right also. So he's talking about a unity. He's talking about a bond that should not be broken. He says, so now you non-Jewish people are not visitors or strangers, but you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. You believers are like a building that God owns. That building was built on the foundation that, that the apostles and prophets prepared. Christ Jesus himself is the most important stone in the building. Christ is the most important. It's not the person with the, with the, what we call the best title, a pastor or apostle or prophet. He says, no, Christ. In this building that Christ has built, Christ is the most important stone in the building. Yeah. 
Glory to God. The Old Testament calls him the cornerstone that holds everything together. He says the whole building is joined together in Christ and he makes it grow and become a holy temple in the Lord. The whole building. Everybody is joined together in Christ. We are not separate but we're joined together. Oneness. Look at somebody say oneness. oneness. It says, and in Christ you are being built together with his other people. Listen to this. He said, you're being built together with his other people. You are not an island. You are not by yourself. You're not supposed to be by yourself. God didn't call you to be a loner. He ain't telling you to get away from people. On the contrary, he says, I'm building everybody together. Look at yourself as one. Not same. Look at somebody say, not same, but one. Hallelujah. So that gives you the ability to be the, 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 and use the talents that God has given to you, but it's all coming together for a single building where, again, Christ is the most important thing there. Hallelujah. Let's look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Again, we're looking at the uh, easy reading version of the Bible. Let's go back up to verse 12. He says, God has chosen you and made you his holy people. He loves you. So your new life should be like this. Show mercy to others. Be kind, humble, gentle, patient. Don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. Together with these things, the most important part of your new life is to love each other. The most important part of your new life is to love each other. The most important part of your new life is to love each other. Love is what holds everything together in perfect unity. Hallelujah. He says, let the peace that Christ gives control your The words are up there, right? <laughs> Anybody's nearsighted and can't see it? <laughs> Let the peace that Christ gives controls your... Thinking. What was that word? Thinking. Your... Thinking. Yes, because it's only what we think that causes a problem. I think she don't like me because she didn't speak to me in the hallway. No one has said it, but I think. I think, I think they're trying to keep me from being all I want to be because God called me to teach, but nobody has recognized me as teacher. So I think they're trying to hold me down at that church. So I got to go to a church that will recognize who I am because they, they, read that again. All together, let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. Yes. Amen. <laughs> he says, it is for peace that you were chosen to be together in one body and always be thankful. Let the teaching of Christ live inside of you richly. Use all wisdom to teach and counsel each other. Sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts. Everything you say and everything you do should be done for Jesus your Lord. Everything. 
Look at somebody say, everything. everything. You know, sometimes we kind of start doing stuff on our own and we're not doing it as unto the Lord. We don't see ourselves when we go to work as working unto the Lord. You know, you call that person that happened to be the manager, the, the man, them people, them, folk, them folks over there. Oh, yeah, them, they don't even know what's going on down here. I bet they can't come in and do my job. That's why they paid you. <laughs> they probably can't. If you do coding, they probably can't code as fast as you do. But that's why they hired you. They're not graced to do it, but they have enough money to hire you to do it. So why are you complaining? Because what if they, the them y'all be talking about, the they them, what if they would have never had the idea of the business or the company that you work for? So what would you do with your coding if there was no one to hire you to do? The Bible says that we won't think those things if we work as unto the Lord. Right. I came here. I represent the body of Christ. And my attitude, how I act, the way I think, and how I feel, the things I say, has to do with him because I'm a part of a house that Jesus is the most important brick in the building. He's the one who supports me. He's the one who keeps me. He's the one who provides for me. So I work as unto him because he's the one who keeps me. He's the one who gives me the health. He's the one who gives me the mind to think, to calculate and do the thing. He's a, so I work as unto him because I'm thankful to him that he's given me the capacity to do what I do. So yes, I work as unto the Lord. Yes. And they don't know why they are drawn to me. You know, I actually told, <laughs> told some, one of my employees, uh, supervisors, because they, they, they kept asking me, how do you do it, Deborah? How do you do it? And I said, do you really want to know? Because they kept asking me, how is it your numbers look better than everybody else's numbers? How do you do it? I said, you want to know? They said, yes. I said, I work as unto the Lord. They just... Okay, that's what one of them said. Another one was a believer. He said, mm-hmm, I can believe that. Because I, when I went in every day, I didn't go in working for the man, but I did go in working for the man. See, because I know God can shift the hearts of kings. You understand what I'm saying? So I can have a, 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 a supervisor, a manager, or I can have a ma uh, the owner of the company not particularly like me, but because God is the one that I work as unto, if, he, if his desire to get me increased comes through that company, they can't help but to give me increase. They can't help but to, you know, reward me. They, can't, they may not even know why. That's why you get those, I don't know why I'm doing this. But we should know because we're working as unto glory to God. Hallelujah. Because I consider myself a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Let's look at Colossians. Oh, we were just there, right? Through 17, we got it. Okay, let's look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Let's look at the New King James Version on that one. First Peter chapter, actually changed to chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 8. Did I tell you that? Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. This is what Peter writes. He says, finally... All of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or uh, rivaling for rivaling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. 
You were called to this that you may inherit a blessing. You were called to do this so that you may inherit a blessing. You were called to do this. You were called to do this. This is a part of your calling. This is supposed to be your identity. You're supposed to be courteous to one another. We're supposed to be a blessing to each other. He says, knowing that you were called to this, you were built for this, you were designed for this, you are able to do this with the Holy Spirit's help. Look at somebody say, with the Holy Spirit's help. That's why God gave us a new nature. When we got born again, he said, I'm giving you a new nature. And I'm building you based upon the new nature you have. Not the old nature of flying off the handle. Not the old nature of cussing people out. He said, I'm working with that new nature. And I I know you may slip a little bit here and there, but that's okay. I'm all the while at work in you because this is what I called you to. We don't want to resist what he is calling us to. But then, you know, again, the Holy Spirit knows that we're flesh and blood. He knows that, you know, we just kind of slip back into some things. But he says it's still the thing that he's called you to. You know, you don't have to raise your hands. But I know there are many of us that after we got born again and the Holy Ghost started working with us and he's working with that new nature, people haven't seen us in a while. They meet you again. They're like, what happened to you? Because that calling is starting to cause changes in your life. Amen. Amen. We don't have to push. We don't have to. Everybody's at different places. But God says, this is the thing that I have called you to. He says that you may inherit a blessing. He says, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lip from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, but he's not talking about us. See, when I think about evil, evil is pre-planned. Evil is just, you know, evil is like I planned you know, I had it in my heart and I was planning the whole time. I, I, I got this scheme together and this plan together to do you harm. That's evil. I just got over emotional and I'm sorry, I cut you, I cut you out. I mean, that's not evil. That's a, it just kind of popped out. But that's okay. God will work with you. He'll keep working with you. But I'm just saying that he's, he's saying here that He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And he's just talking about him working with our attitudes and what we're supposed to be uh, striving to be. God is such a good, good father in the fact that he says, I've called you to some good stuff and some good things. And he said, we want your attitude to be, be where your high calling is. You're a place of high calling a place where we're, we're, we love one another, we care about one another, we pray for one another. We're part of the same house. We're part of the same family of God. That's who we are. That's who he called us to be, amen? Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 2, still in, in the uh, New King James Paul says, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. He said, of one mind. He said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, and being of one accord, of one mind, not divided, but being of one mind. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, let us start at verse 11 again in the New King James. Here again, Paul says, finally, brethren, 
farewell. He said, become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He said, greet one another with a holy kiss. Some of you may wonder why we like to hug. Uh, when we first started the church and we were talking about expressing the love of God, and of course we were reading this scripture, Greg said, well, we just can't have people kissing each other. You know, that would kind of be, folks would be kind of put off by that. So we said, okay, well, well, we'll express our love by greeting everyone who comes into our church with a hug. And that is why you get so many hugs in this church. It's an expression of our love for you. Because Paul said, greet, you, we greet each other. We greet each other in love. We, and and that's, that's what it's all about. It's a hug because I love you. I'm glad you came. You're a part of the body of Christ. And if you're not, one day we believe that you will be. But I'm still going to express my love towards you. And that's really why we do a lot of hugging in this church. That's why we tell you, turn around and hug each other. That's why get a hug all the way down the hall. Come into church, people still hugging you. You know, some people are like, wait, wait, there's a lot of touching in that church. But... <laughs> You'd rather us hug you then. <laughs> but there are some cultures that, that it, it, you know, they, they do, you know, and when you meet them, sometimes it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> where are you leaning in? No, whoa, whoa. But with a hug, you know, you can, you can do that, amen? That's why we do it, because Paul says that we're expressing love towards one another. We're welcoming one another. And what better way to welcome anyone than a hug? And I don't know about you. Have you ever met people, and because you've hugged so much in this church, you just almost, it's like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. And you would be surprised at the number of people who want you to go through with that hug. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, give me a hug. One of my uh, managers from... Um, um, Michigan came down because I used to work for General Motors came down and he came in and everybody was like well you know hello how you doing sir and I when I I was reaching up and I said oh oh I am so sorry he was a believer and he said you were gonna give me a hug let's hug of course everybody's like this you know what they said? Well, we want a hug, too. <laughs> so they hugged him as well. <laughs> but he's also the one who said, stop saying happy holidays. He said, it is Merry Christmas. And if I call down there and you say happy holidays, you're going to be in real trouble. So, that, so you never know, even when you're meeting a believer. But people like hugs. They're drawn to hugs. There's something about them that causes them to feel loved. So that's what Paul said. He says, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another again with a holy kiss. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Again, we're talking about relationships not easily broken. We're talking about that in the body of Christ, it shouldn't be that way. In the body of Christ, we all have one God. We're all striving for the same thing. We're all reaching for the same destiny. We all want to do the things that God is telling us to do. We all want the benefits of being in the kingdom of God. We all want the same thing, amen? He says in um, verse 10, Paul says, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared, because he got a bad report, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So Paul's like, I got to address this because we're all supposed to be one. We're all supposed to be speaking the same thing. We're supposed to all be, you know, living the same, uh, living the same life, having the same goal. He says, now I say this, that each of you say, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. He said, is Christ divided? 
He had a question. He said, is Christ divided? How is it that you are, are, are acting like we're not in the same household? We're not a part of the same building that Christ is building. How is it? He said, he said stop, stop claiming to not be a part of the house, the big house. You know, sometimes people get in arguments concerning different things, different uh, religions and different, you know what, my, it, you know Jesus, that's my question. You know Jesus, you've accepted him as Lord. Well, I'm not gonna get into the details of all this other stuff, you know. Well, y'all speak in tongues, we don't speak in tongues. I've just got a smile for you. Unless you have a question and not questioning. But we, 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 we cause division and strife when God is saying, you know, I need for the body of Christ to walk together. Yes. To walk together, not get into doctrines of things, but that we all walk together. You know, it's, some, it's quite interesting sometimes I think about, are the churches actually fighting over the same Christians? You understand what I'm saying? Are we fighting over the same Christian? Or should we actually be out there trying to get those people who don't know Christ? Isn't that the goal? I mean, isn't that the goal to go out and bring people into the kingdom of God, not? It's just a question. Praise God. He says, now I say this, that each of you say, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. He said, is Christ divided? He said, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you. <laughs> then, he, then it's so funny, because I get, I get tickled every time I read. He said, except uh, Christmas and Gaius, at least anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Because Paul said, that's not the thing. He said, that's, that's, that's not the big deal here. He said, the deal is that, that we're all a part of the household of God. That's the big deal here. And how we treat each other is the most important thing here. Because we need to each treat each other just like we are of the same household. Glory to God. Let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 15 and verse 5. Romans 15 and verse 5. This is what Paul writes again. He says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of patience, thank God for his patience and comfort, grant to you to be like-minded towards one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Why is God pushing unity. Why is God pushing that we treat each other right? Why is God pushing that we have the right relationship with one another? Why is that so important to God? Why is Paul talking to us about not being divided? Why is he doing it? Why is he telling a husband and a wife that you act as one? Why is he saying don't be divided this way? Why is he telling uh, Families not to be, why is that important to God? Why is it that this is important to God that we speak the same thing? Why is that important in the body of Christ? Why is it we just can't be individuals? Why is it we just can't get married and just be ourselves, you know? Because some people feel, I feel like I'm losing myself when I got married. Yeah, you're supposed to lose yourself when you get married. You're supposed to be becoming one with someone else. Let's see, why is it that God thinks this? Let's look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. 
because we are all a part of the body of Christ, right? And we are all supposed to be operating in the kingdom of God. It says in verse 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If we don't come together, he said, we cannot stand. If we seek to be loners, we cannot stand. And you've heard the, the example of when you have uh, a herd running together. If one is lingering behind, that's the weakest one. And that's the one the enemy attacks because they're not with anyone. Let's look at uh, same book. Let's look at 18, chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. Look at what he says. Look at what Jesus is saying to us. He says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You know, wherever Jesus was, stuff was happening. Wherever Jesus was, healings were taking place. Wherever Jesus was, people were being raised from the dead. Wherever Jesus was, provision was being made out of two fish and five loaves of bread to feed 5,000. Where Jesus was, he said, I'll be in the midst. Yes. Things were being supplied. Things were happening. He said, if, he said, if you get two or three together, I'm right there. I'm there to provide whatever you are asking for. I'm there to provide whatever you need. You need to come together, be in symphony, be in harmony. That's why he tells the husband and the wife. He says, you know what? He said, don't be divided. Don't, angry, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. He said, because, he says, don't allow your prayers to be hindered by being at odds with one another. I need for you to come together so that your prayers won't be hindered. And people like to say, you want to put 1,000, two will put 10,000 in flight. Well, you need to be giving up a whole bunch of people around you. If two will put 10,000, what could you imagine if five, six, 20, 100, 1,000 coming together? You all are, you, you are familiar with the story. I think it's in Genesis chapter 11. Those people came together. They spoke the same thing. They had the same thing in mind. God had to come down and do something about some people that were going against him because he said, if I don't do something to disturb this, he said, they'll, they'll do what they have in their hearts and their minds to do. So why do you think Satan attacks. He always attacks at the point of unity. He must cause a disturbance. He don't want you to agree. He don't want us to, to be walking in the same path. He wants us to be aggravated over each other. He wants us to be offended with each other. Because if he can get you in offense, then you ain't coming together and you ain't got no power. Why do you think he's trying to break you down, make you, make you think ill, thinking, 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 making you think that someone thinks something negative about you? And guess what? What if they do? What did the Bible say? Forgive them. Isn't that what he said? For the sake of unity, for the sake of having what you say. Hallelujah. Matthew, uh, let's see, we was, oh, we should have gone, we should have read verse 19, shouldn't we? Somebody said, I don't know what verse 19 is, but, uh, <laughs> yes, verse 19. Again, well, this is so good, we may as well read the whole thing. Let's look at, um, Verse 18, 
This is Jesus. He said, assuredly, I say to you, assuredly. He said, this is for real. Assuredly, I, there's no variance in it. Assuredly, I say this, say to you, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is an agreement with what's going on in heaven. Then he said, after he said, assuredly, he says, again, I say. This is important. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. We have to believe that. We got to be assured of that. That's why we can't just let any petty old thing cause a problem. She's sitting in my seat. Uh, 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 uh. Say, oh, that's such a good seat. I'm so glad she's sitting there today. She's probably going to get a good or uh, better perspective just by being in that seat. That's wonderful. I get an opportunity to sit by somebody else that I can be a blessing to. It'd be good. Instead, I always sit in the front. I can't believe they actually directed me to sit somewhere. I don't never sit. I don't like to sit there. Why are they asking me to come up to the front? I don't want to be in the front. I just want to sit in the back. I want to be able to slip out when I want to slip out. I just want to. <laughs> Did you just come in here where we all supposed to be? Loving each other. I mean, you, you hug all 50 ushers coming down the hallway. Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's so good. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, yes, amen. I'm so glad to be in the church. Where you want me to sit? Did you tell me to move down? See? And maybe that's why God moved you from some other place because they knew you needed to help that person come back into oneness. Amen. So God is, he's saying, don't, don't let little, little things cause relationships to be broken because you got to understand that the enemy wants you at odds because all you have to do is agree with just one. Just one. Then you get a third one in there. Then you get a whole congregation. There is nothing we cannot do. Nothing we cannot do. Nothing we cannot do. Amen. Glory to God. God said, Jesus, not Jesus said, I will be in the midst of you. I will be right there with you. I'll be there with you. I just want that to ring in your ear. I will be in the midst. I will be in the midst of you. And all kinds of wonderful things happen when Jesus, wherever Jesus went, wherever he was present, miraculous things took place. Wherever he was present, People, people had an expectation of Jesus. You do know that's why people followed him. They had an expectation of him doing something. So when we come to church, we need to have an expectation of God doing something in your life. You should, I mean, you should expect, you shouldn't be expecting me to, okay, perform, Pastor Deborah, perform, Pastor Deborah, perform. No, I don't need to perform. We all in here together. We all should be expecting God to do something, to say something, to change our hearts, to change our mind, to reveal something to us that we didn't know before. We should have expectations. Do you know that's why conferences go so well? We pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, pump it up, pump it up. People come in. They like it. Listen. I'm going to get something from this conference. That's what I'm, I'm going to get something when I go in this conference. I expect for something to change. I expect it. I'm expecting because I'm among other like believers. There's something is, what is it? Or Robert, something good is going to happen. 
something good. So when you come, your expectation should be high. Not because you expect something from me, but you expect something from God. You expect, I mean, you expecting God. God enlighten me on something, show me something, tell me something. I'm expecting something from you. That's why I get it, because I be expecting for God to do something. Because that's what you said. As we say, you send the red, Jesus. It came out of your mouth. And that's why we seek to walk in harmony with one another. We seek to be like a symphony coming together, not expecting for man to perform, but expecting for God, the almighty God. Yes, he may work through individuals because that's how he works, but understand it's all coming from him. Glory to God. I remember telling someone, they were like, yes. Uh, they were talking about when people pray and people fall out under the anointing. And I said, you want to fall out under the anointing? At home, just start praying. Lay hands on yourself and then recover. I mean, I'm... I... Y'all like Pastor Deborah. Go home and try it. Go home and lay hands on yourself. Lord have mercy, I'm going to get reports. I fell out in the bathroom. I just decided just to lay hands on myself, and I got up 10 minutes later, like drunk in the spirit. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, when we get excited in here and we praise God, you know, people dance, people run. Have you ever gotten excited driving your car while you listening to some music? You throw your hands up. Well, what make you think that it can't? My expectation is from God. Look at somebody and say, I'm expecting something from God. Hallelujah. Ooh, Jesus is so good. Uh, when I think about us coming together as a part of the body of Christ of Revealing Truth Ministries, I'm like, God, there's nothing impossible for us. There's nothing that you've ever placed before us that we cannot do. There is nothing too difficult. There's nothing, there's no place that you've told us to go, no thing that you've told us to do that's impossible. I said, there's more than two or three agreeing on what you say. There's, 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 there's more who wants to see what God wants to see. There's more who want to see people change, their lives transform. There's more, there's more than just me and Pastor Brian somewhere praying and, and, and thanking God for the lives that are going to be changed, set free, and delivered. There's more people, God, so we expect for that to take place. We expect for you, God, God, to show us how to reach people. You, we expect for you to do that, Father, and we expect to be enriched. We expect for the word that you put in our mouths to speak to the people that are before us, that it will transform their minds, that it will enlighten them, that when they leave, they will have gained. Hallelujah. That something has changed, that you have touched their hearts in some way. And if you all are in agreement with us, imagine the ripple effect. Imagine the ripple effect on those when we leave this place. If all of our expectation is in God and not in ourselves, because in ourselves we can't do anything. Didn't Jesus say that? Without me, you can do nothing. But if you remain connected to the vine, he said, I will, I will put sap on the inside of you. Man, you'll start to say things because I put things on the inside of you. When you start to talk to people, you will remember scriptures you never thought you had even memorized. They'll come flowing out of your mouth. Hallelujah, because we put God first. And then when we come together as a people and we say we're going to build or we say that we're going to pave or we say that we're going to support or we say that we're going to do this, then we look at God and we say, God, thank you so much for giving me the ability to carry out everything you said. God is looking for us to walk as one. To walk as one. Everybody playing their part 
because he said, Jesus said that he wanted to present a house to God. So that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's building the house. He's building the house. Glory to God. And we're all a part of that house. And you know, in the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to have to stop because I just love talking about the house of God. He says that Jesus is faithful over his house. He's faithful over his house. Faithful over his house. That means I'll do what I say because I'm faithful. Because when I was talking in this word, I'm talking to my house. I'm talking to my people. I'm talking to a group of people that I'm going to present to my father. I'm going to present them without spot or wrinkle. I'm going to present my house. Look at somebody and say, I'm in the house. You in the house. Glory to God. If things, I mean, if you can't think of anything else and stuff starts seeming like you're going crazy, say, I'm in the house. And God is faithful. Jesus is faithful over his house. He's faithful to do whatever he said concerning his house. And I'm in the house. Look at somebody again and say, I'm in the house. And I don't mean in this physical house. I mean in Jesus' house. I'm one of the bricks in this house. Look at somebody say, I'm one of the bricks in the house. Yes, I'm one of the bricks in the house, and I can do. And I was built for this season. Tell somebody I was built for this season. Yes, we were. We were built for this season. It doesn't matter what the world is doing, because the Bible says that when gross darkness filled the earth, he said more grace comes. The darker it gets, the brighter we're supposed to shine. The darker it gets, the stronger we're supposed to be. Because you were built for this. You were built for it. Glory to God. God said, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He said, I've also shared my love abroad in your heart. So the love that we need to show to one another, he said, it's already in your heart. It's already in your heart. And we're not going to let Satan disturb us at our point of unity, but we're going to stay unified. Because when you're weak, I'll be strong there for you. When you can't pray, I'll be praying for you. When you don't know what to say, I'll make confessions for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When you can't pray for yourself, I'll pray for you. Why? Because we're united. We're together in this. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We believe that the word of God has the power to change our lives. And I just want you to know that we are praying for you. We're believing for you, for your relationships to be stronger than ever and be stable. This is the year of stability. And we're believing God that everything we touch will be strengthened. 